0: The Florida Hockey Podcast, Justin Bedford, alongside Noah Russo. How you doing this week, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Well, not fantastic. I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Decent week. Uh, not too busy. Been able to watch some Panthers hockey, which you know we'll get into later in the show because hasn't been great. But uh, but yeah, how you been? i I've been good. Uh, pretty busy,
1: but getting ready for a bit of a break uh, this weekend. Uh, headed out to Denver to celebrate uh, a friend's birthday and um, yeah, going to be lots of fun going to the uh, avalanche game, which should be a blast.
0: Uh, Yeah. Oh, that sounds exciting. Yeah. No avalanche there. They're not looking great to start the year. Uh, Yeah. No, no, not a great start for them. Uh, Not really, but no, sounds like fun trip, Colorado. Great place.
1: Uh, I've never been. Have you? Yeah. Once. Once.
0: Yeah. Pretty cool yeah for a ski trip oh cool yeah it was good i hurt my knee though
1: oh the knee man
0: oh dude my knees i don't know how I, like i'm so unbelievably unstable at all times
1: but knees might be the, like one of the most common
0: injuries out there right oh i feel like it's got to be right like i don't know what else could be yeah because yeah it's got to it's got to be one of the most because like in every sport you're using your legs right mostly like so there's going to be a lot of knee injuries I imagine.
1: Yeah. Like I can't, I knee injury, maybe back, maybe backs up there.
0: Probably. But I feel like, yeah, it's probably, Anyways, we I don't, don't know. know. Well, like I don't a, know. It's question. a, it's an it's interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious to know what the most common injuries are. Like, I'm sure it's like knees or ankles or something. Yeah. Are, are probably in the mix too. Um, but yeah, we got a, anyways, we got a, a lot of hockey stuff going on this week. Lots to talk about, which is always nice. Um we got to start with obviously uh we'll start with some non-Panther stuff uh coming out of Anaheim uh and talk about the whole Bob Murray situation on kind of like a I don't know it's becoming an ever popular like segment that we do just depressing NHL news stories um cuz they just seem to happen so often but the Anaheim Ducks uh announcing yesterday Bob Murray has been suspended pending the results of an independent investigation. After the initial findings, that's when they decided that they needed to suspend him before uh, figuring it out. And then uh, today, uh, Bob Murray resigning from the position uh, and announcing that he's going to, you know, seek uh, treatment for alcohol abuse and stuff like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole whole situation there? You know, coming a couple of weeks after all the Blackhawks stuff and the NHL saying, uh, you know, they, they had their uh, independent tip line uh, out there for play- players and staff to report uh, any misconduct. And it appears that that was uh, utilized in this instance. Uh, so what are, what are your thoughts on how this has really played out? I don't know if any
1: NHL news will surprise me. No, nothing ever. I was so- just like, you know, I was just like, Oh, okay. Fantastic. It really like, I wonder if they're just going to clean house on every single executive in the league.
0: I mean, at a certain point, like it seems like every episode, we're talking about some other news story from, you know, around the league. And it's never, it's never positive. Never. Yeah. It's like, we like there are positive stories out there that we could talk about, but all these, you know, terrible stories coming out. The one thing that I think said a lot to me uh, when this first kind of came out yesterday was all the reporters and all, you know, former players or, uh, you know, GMs or whatever. And basically a lot of them saying, yeah, we're not surprised. Like Bob Murray is like a terrible human. Like this doesn't surprise me at all that he's being investigated for a misconduct. Um, so the sheer lack of surprise uh, is very telling to me. Uh, yeah. It says a lot about the league, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It says a lot about the league that when, you know, something comes out like that about, an individual and everyone's like, yeah, that sounds about right. That's not a great look uh, right out of the gate. Um, And, you know, and it seems like it wasn't like, you know, a singular instance or incident. It was just kind of repeated uh, abuse and mistreatment uh, by Bob Murray to staff and players over uh, the course of his tenure there in in Anaheim. Uh, But I will say this, like, if your timeline starts like after the Blackhawks investigation and after the NHL's two weeks, uh, their, the the tip line they put in for players to report misconduct, then I think overall that this was was handled quite well by honestly all parties involved, which is rare. It's rare to say anything nice about the way the NHL handles everything, and they they fuck up quite a bit and have recently too, which you saw with you know all, all the lawsuits and stuff going on. But as far as, you know, obviously like the abuse isn't great and it's clearly been going on for a good amount of time. But if you start from, you know, two weeks ago when the NHL is trying to take a more proactive approach, like their, their tip line was utilized. Um, credit to the Anaheim Ducks. They were pretty quick to, to open an investigation. And I think suspending him after the initial findings indicated that it wasn't great, I think was the right step. Uh, and then the resignation from Bob Murray and even Bob Murray uh, going to, to seek help and treatment. Uh, I think it's all great in terms of like, obviously it's unfortunate, but I think it as far as, you know, recently, I think it's been handled quite well.
1: Yeah. And pretty safe to say that I don't think Bob Murray will ever work in hockey again. No, no. Like in an official capacity, he might consult here and there, but I, you know, he's done like, how old is he too?
0: 66 probably probably i I want to say i read that in an article when i was reading about all this so i'm going to say 66
1: yeah that, that's that's up there right you don't see a lot of guys make it that far
0: no and it's like like you're like, 66 you made a lot of money uh in the game of hockey and he's you indeed you won-
1: 66 i i just verified it
0: oh so i'm nailed good this. recall perfect yeah. recall yeah. Good memory. Uh, but yeah, like, so yeah, like just spend some time with your family and focus on, you know, your own, you know, mental and physical health, I think is, is the best thing you can do. Um, and, it'll really interesting, yeah. And then the ducks a very interesting team too, in terms of, you know, their GM search, I believe it's Jeff Solomon, who's the interim GM, uh, and ownership said they'd look to find, uh, a permanent, you know, replacement by next summer. Um, but they're, they're a team that's in an interesting spot. Like They've collected a lot of really good young players uh, so far this season. They've played a lot better than a lot of people, including us, thought they would. Definitely. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens with that team and that direction. But, uh, yeah, another not-so-positive so story, though, from, from around the league, which at this point, yeah, I don't think surprises uh, either one of us, really.
1: No, it's kind of annoying at this point more than anything, right? Yeah, it's just like, like man, like,
0: like, like even like, like this, like I, you know, like the Blackhawks saga was so big. Did you um, did you have a chance to watch the interview with the uh, Jane Doe uh mother? I I did not. No, because I, I haven't yet either. But I I saw a lot of you are talking about it, and now you know, very similar to the Kyle Beach interview bringing up the same kind of emotions and you feel, you know, so terrible for, for all the victims uh, involved, but even that stuff too, in the NHL, not uh, you know, they're not going to pay for any, any of the legal fees for, for John Joe Doe too, which again, as a lot of people pointed out, I understand that from a legal perspective and, you know, cause if you do that, it is, you know, it sets precedent and it can be seen as an admission of wrongdoing Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like morally, how do you do that? Like that, like that would weigh on me heavily. And
1: it's Uh, absolutely like the, the bigger picture that I I started like thinking about is how much longer do you think Gary Bettman has?
0: It's, it's gotta be
1: close. It's his final legs. Like he's up there with, Bob Murray, I in terms of age, I think he's older than him. I'm
0: gonna say I, 65
1: is my guess. That is incorrect. Yeah, he's older. He is indeed older. Oh, that was he yeah, was a tall shot in the diary. Um Gary Bettman is uh, 69. Yeah, he's gonna turn 70 next June. Um, this is a guy who's been in the position since
0: 1993. Yeah, like it's it's been a long time. And he's done, regardless of what you think, he's done a lot for this league, good, good and bad, real, like really, like there's been a lot of both. Um, but I, I think it's time. Just with everything coming out, like, at what point, like, like what is going to be the nail in the coffin? Because, like,
1: uh, in my opinion, like if you're Gary Bettman, you don't want that nail in the coffin. Well,
0: I, yeah, I understand. Like you,
1: you, you got to get out before that comes up. Yes. And is is unethical or immoral? It may sound. Leave it to leave it to the next commissioner.
0: Well, like, yeah, just like something like, I, like I,
1: I, just because I don't, I don't particularly agree with every decision he's made, uh, just around the more modern issues. If, if you can put it that way. So I feel like if you can just like move on to the next commissioner who will have a much, much better grasp on those, on those, Will, will
0: they though? Like who's next in line? It's, a question. it's like, is it, it's daily, right?
1: I, I don't think he would become commissioner though. I
0: think he, I think he's next in line,
1: but I don't I, think, he, I, I don't think they'd go with him to be commissioner. I, I, think, I, I, I would think the owners want somebody else who's going to last long term. Like the, the you can't like the stability plays such an important factor in the decision in the decision of who to appoint as commissioner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it'll be interesting because like it's one of those things where yeah, you know, there's some options out there for next commissioner of the league, but how different are they really going to be? Right. Like. It's the idea, like you can kill you can kill the man, but not the idea, right? Yeah, like it can be someone else other than Gary Bettman, and still be just as terrible as always. Um, so interesting. see sounds there. I saw today, uh, not today, uh, a few days ago. People were talking about, um, I think it was Rick Westhead again, how uh, a lot of sponsors and partners, or some at least, have been you know contacting the league and teams and are concerned about. Uh, you know, some of the the bad publicity that's going on lately. And to me, like that, like that's when you get the league's attention. That's when you get the attention of owners. And that's when something changes is when it starts to hit the wallet. Yeah. Realistically.
1: Like, I I really think that I wouldn't be surprised if he just went for just tried to get his 30 years and then dipped. I think? think that's a pretty cool accomplishment if he can make it to the Let's see, he was appointed in 93 midway through the season. So, if he couldn't make it till the end of the 2023 season, yeah. So it would be 22, 23. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a new commissioner in the 23, 24 offseason. Yeah. And there's
0: yeah. Or like in the
1: 2023 offseason. So, like summer 20, 2023. Yeah. I, I am one, I am like absolutely convinced that the gears are in motion to find the next commissioner.
0: Oh, like, I'm, I'm assuming, right? But it's up it's, to the, it's up to ownership, right? Yeah, like the owners, like, the board. Of, I so, wonder,
1: I wonder and, how it happens. Do they hire an independent like company to like headhunt? Like, how does that work? I I, I assume they know. have a
0: list of people. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I'm assuming like Bill Daley's on that list. I'm sure
1: there's other people on that list. Yeah, Bill Daley's got to be on that list. I just I don't think that's going to be the decision.
0: Well. Uh, well it, I, think, we'll see. I think it depends on how because it's inevitable it's coming soon sooner rather than later for sure i'd imagine that he would be out as commissioner um it, i think it depends on how that goes down because if it's you know if there's another story that comes out about you know whatever it is that reflects poorly on the league then the owners might want to go an absolutely different direction and not go with someone like bill daly go um with you know so uh go a different direction really um uh, mm-hmm. but i'm curious if gay like i know this is like you know just throwing this on you but if you were if you were to name a new commissioner who are you picking
1: i have no idea yeah i yeah. couldn't tell you like i'm actually just I, i'm looking looking at a list of their their executives
0: like, well, the the thing is,
1: it can be anyone, right? It can literally, it, d- it does not have to be NHL.
0: No, like it could be a commissioner from another league. You'd have to assume though that. They would, right, they would it can stick be, with and, a hockey person. Yeah, it's probably someone like working with a team already. Um, I think my pick, if I'm just like, just off the top of my head, just thinking of like good hockey people, right? And just good people in general. And by all accounts, and could be wrong here. Like who's like I don't know any any of these people personally, but I think maybe John Davidson would be a good pick. Uh, He's with the Blue Jackets. He's with the Rangers. He's back with the Blue Jackets. Um, Yeah. By all accounts, he seems like a a great individual. Um, I think he like he's older too. But that uh, that
1: that that was my like main thing is like he's older.
0: Yeah, well, it's like yeah, like, who, like it, it depends on what you want to do there, but yeah, I think pretty like it, it, we'll, we'll be seeing a new com- commissioner uh, soon, and it'll be interesting to see by what, the end of the de- decade, yeah. for sure. Oh, like zero doubt about. I would put with you there. I'd put significant amounts of money on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm also under like I wonder how like someone like Gary, I wonder how they'll be remembered in like thirty years. Uh business savvy, but not much other than that. Well, you don't know it's in 30 years, right? That's true. Like what that's if the what if, what if the new guy comes in and does worse? Yeah, guy be. like what yeah, what if the new individual comes in it's, and does worse? It,
1: yeah, it's a tall task. I'm trying to see how old uh David Stern
0: was when he when he left the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like because the AHL, they 2012. They... Yeah.
1: Oh no! No, sorry. He stepped down on February first, twenty fourteen, after thirty years in the role. So I years. wonder that. Like, I wonder if that's like what Gary Bettman's thinking right now. And he was he was born in forty two. So to twenty fourteen, you do the quick maths. What? No, seventy two. Yeah. Yeah, seventy two. Yeah. So, so that's a pretty realistic timeline for Gary Bettman there.
0: Yeah, he's not bad. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I really, I really think that's
1: what's gonna happen. We'll, but we'll
0: see. And because the the AHL just got a new commissioner a year or two ago, Dave Andrews left, mm-hmm. and uh, Scott Howson came in, and like, talk about shit timing there. Yeah. Like, if you're like you're Dave Andrews, right? Like the former commissioner of the AHL, and he was commissioner for I'm pretty sure its entire existence um and every year he'd be like oh i'm retiring and then he'd be like no okay maybe one more year and then he finally you know h- hangs up you know hangs it up and uh scott house that's a tough one yeah and boom pandemic yeah right out the gate
1: it, absolutely it's it's so tough like nobody could have nobody could have predicted that right exactly it's, 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 it's so it's... tough like you you're, you you're becoming commissioner of the league which is probably his like yeah, okay, his dream is probably commissioner of the NHL, but like commissioner of the AHL is a pretty pretty big deal too. Yeah. I don't think. And then you, like yeah. just to get a pandemic, it must be like so yeah. I wonder what the emotions are. Like is it demoralizing? Is it like disappointment? Is it it could even be excitement that you get to like be the pioneer for your league because it's never happened before.
0: Yeah, like I think it's I think it's a lot of all those things realistically. Mhm. But now I'm thinking about it, like, I don't think I would ever want to be the commissioner of a professional sports league. Like, to me, that sounds like a terrible time. Everyone hates you. Pretty much all Unless,
1: you. Unless you manage to be the David Stern of the NHL. I, Not David Stern.
0: Well, David Adam, Stern was pretty
1: like, but Adam Silver. Yeah, he's well liked. He's like the only one that I can think of that's actually like, that I'd be like, yeah okay that's pretty cool
0: yeah but i think that i think that only works with the nba exactly i don't don't think someone like adam silver i don't think you could commission like that in the nhl just based on the culture the kind of old boys club the people involved i don't think like the owners i don't think it's possible
1: i think i think it's possible i think it's possible in like 60 years
0: yeah like exactly
1: like that would not be like Google. that's so just like, a number i threw out by the way like i don't know if it's I yeah don't
0: know, i don't know like but like who, 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 well yeah like yeah, things are changing like yeah, yeah like but like to be the coach like like i, I want to deal with any of this stuff you know mm-hmm. like how am i ever gonna sleep exactly oh, just worried about oh my goodness like yeah brutal brutal job not yeah. not envious of any of them uh but anyways we'll, we'll move on to some panther stuff because we got a lot to talk about two straight losses Uh, over the last week. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, a quick word from our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection, however they light the lamp, you win. And a sports book isn't available in your state yet. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN and throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN, a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Let's get into this notes. We've got a lot to break down here for these two games. Uh, in summary, not great. Not great. That's the short um, version.
1: The The Maple Leafs fan approach would be,
0: uh, where are we going to play Shane right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you assume he slots in behind Anton Lindell.
1: You assume so.
0: But, like, yeah, like, our, like I guess, like, first of all, two losses, two straight losses, and um, bit of a rough patch for the team. I think we've seen kind of signs of it, even while the team was still winning, uh, you know, and you get, I get it. You got a new coach, you got injuries, um, but are you ready to hit the panic button? Like, like it's... cause I've seen some people no, that are ready to hit the panic, button.
1: that's like the most absurd take ever. Like hit the panic button. Like you are still, I think they're second in the league now. Um, Like, that's just the most ridiculous take to have.
0: Did they hit the panic button?
1: Yeah. And you look at the games, the Rangers, just a bad start. Like, well, yeah. Like, let's face it, like, they got goalie, bad start. Rangers took took a sizable lead, and then it was just too little, too late.
0: I I, I think, yeah, it was too little, too late, especially with the way Shish was playing. Yeah, like, and
1: you want to know what you're gonna lose the you're gonna lose games like that.
0: Yeah, like I, I I don't mind that one from the Panthers. Like was that their a game? Absolutely not. But it, like they could have won that game, and if it wasn't for Jorken, they probably do win that game. But like the reality is, they were like they were a bit sloppy. There were some mistakes made uh, uh, defensively, offensively. You know, like you may be getting frustrated because the pucks not going in. Goal tending could have been better. But overall, like it wasn't horrendous. Like not at all. It was a competitive hockey game that was decided by one of the best young goalies in the league on the other team. Real. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's my takeaway from that one. Now, the New Jersey game, different story. That one was ugly. That was that was bad. Uh,
1: I watched I managed to watch like five minutes of that um, between downtime at work. And I was lucky enough to catch the parts that where it was 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Uh, safe to say that did not last.
0: No, no, it did not.
1: It was kind of a – it was an embarrassing loss.
0: It really like, was. I, yeah. I don't want
1: to take anything away from the Devils because I know you were pretty high on the Devils, and they do have some really nice pieces. That's
0: even without MVP Jack Hughes in the lineup.
1: But, like, yeah, like, you lost, what was it, 7-3? Seven,
0: 7-3 three? Seven, three was the final. To the devils. Good team. Ish. Like, like my thing would be, like, like, that That one was ugly. But, like, I, I have some issues with this one. First of all, like, I do like to focus on the positives. And, um, the, the, like, there are some positives. Like, uh, Barkov tying the franchise record in goals. I know it doesn't mean much in a loss. But he did. Uh, Sam Bennett back from injury onto the score sheet looking good. Um, you know, like like there were bright spots like Spencer, uh, not Spencer Knight, Anton Lindell. Like he was playing a solid game, I thought. So like there are positives from that, but not many. And like overall, it was a poor game from the team. I understand you're on a back to back. Right. And those can be difficult. You're, you're, I'm sure you're tired from you know the night before, especially because you you pushed pretty hard towards the end to, to try and come back versus the versus the Rangers, um, but really sloppy stuff defensively, offensively. Like they got some looks here or there, but nothing nothing is sustained as you would like uh, mm-hmm. uh, from the forward group, and not it, it looked like a tired group out there. And one of the other things that concerned like was concerning me is like you have a new coach behind the bench, right, Andrew Burnett. And I think, you know, uh, you know, it's going to take some time, right? It's a new voice. Uh, I know he's, you know, with the team uh, before uh, Q left. But some questionable stuff going on there. And, like, I understand, like, the players are playing the same system, right? And the, like, But that's only one facet of coaching, right, is your system. And I have no doubt, like, I believe in the system the Panthers play. And I believe it works for this group. But then there's the, the the moments in the game where when you're down a goal, when you need to push guys, right, when you need to to motivate your players and get them to step up, when you need to make game like in-game decisions, do you mix up a line? Do you put this guy here? That's where maybe some concern would come in. And I think that's valid because it's a you know, it's a, sometimes the first, you know, it's his first time coaching.
1: Yeah. Like in that being said, he's in a good position because he does have a ton of NHL experience as a player. Yeah. Like he's seen pretty much everything that. Yeah. I think he's played over a seen. thousand
0: games. I'm pretty sure he has. Yeah. As a late draft pick. And like, and again, it is so early into his coaching and it's such a difficult, uh, it's different. It's a difficult situation to step into. Like I get, you're taking over a very, very good hockey team, but you have a coach who did a, you know, a lot of good things on the ice here. Uh, and the team was rolling there undefeated. That's not like it's still tricky to come into that situation. I still think he's gonna be a good coach. Um, but it's the the stuff within the game and the motivation and you know that kind of stuff that concerns me. And I also I I didn't like uh, the way the goaltending situation was handled last game.
1: Yeah, it was certainly interesting. back to back, like, You lose a nail-biter to the Rangers. Yeah. And then you go back to Spencer Knight. When you had Bobrovsky on the bench. Yeah. Now, this could mean one of two things. One, it was a decision that they really thought the best chance to win was to go with Spencer Knight. Or B, Sergei Bobrovsky was injured. Yeah. And if he was injured...
0: Why is he well, on the bench? Well exactly.
1: What the because fuck? Because when is he Spencer doing Knight's
0: given up five or six, maybe throw a different guy back there, give and the kids clearly gassed. Right? Like maybe throw a guy bone. I don't know. And then the the, the thing that annoys
1: me is Chris Gibson had a really, really good like training camp, really good yeah. preseason, like Chris Drieger yeah. vibes all the way. Yeah. And you don't even give the guy like the opportunity to back up. Yeah.
0: Like come on. No, like like yeah, Spencer Knight like would I have played him on a back-to-back? Like probably not, right? But like if Bob's really hurt and you need a guy to go back-to-back, like yeah, sure, throw him in there. But then don't have Bob on the bench. Like absolutely. Like mm-hmm. cuz he's literally sitting on the bench and he's not and he clearly is was not even an option to play. Right? Yeah. And so I think that that was like really, really poor. Like, if Bob's good enough to sit on the bench, then he should be good enough to play, hypothetically. And if he's good enough to play, then he should have started the fucking game. Absolutely. Like, you do not,
1: I do not get why the hell you would dress a guy that is not in a position where he can play.
0: Yeah. Like, Like, it it baffles me. I
1: don't even want to imagine what would have happened if, like, knight got injured
0: yeah yeah he was forced to leave the game for whatever reason like that's just that's horrible yeah and, and, and leaving the ha- hang out the dry there too is also horrible like this is uh, like i've seen a lot of people calling you know to send spencer knight you know they, they need some time in the ahl maybe you know with his friend you know cole caulfield um who was uh viciously attacked by an ahl team on twitter oh, this weekend unreal unbelievable uh, we did not have time to talk about that, but big fan no. of that uh, situation. Yeah. They got That's in hilarious. a bit of trouble, I think, around the, by the league. But well, yeah, and apparently Paul Caulfield was very upset about his son yes, being yes. bullied.
1: I feel like he would get along quite well with Paul Marner.
0: I think so. I think I think him <laughs> Marner and Dregs all at the cotty in the summer <laughs> might be a move. Uh, but anyway, that so I've seen some people calling for that, and it's like, look, like did Spencer Knight play great in these two games? No, he did not. But before these two games, he has played very excellent uh, for for a lot uh, for a lot of the games he's played, even though there haven't been that many.
1: You very have, excellent is a right?
0: perfect way to put it. Yeah, Ex- yeah, but like like, very excellent. That's all I can yeah, say. Like he's he, been very excellent. Like he,
1: you do not waste his time sending sending him no. back in the AHL. I'm not saying he would be mad about it. I I'm sure yeah. he would understand and whatever, and he would probably tear it up obviously but like do not waste his time his development time because yeah. it'd be one thing if he was purely just a backup and he wasn't actually playing yeah then I'd be like eh, yeah probably send him back to the HL just so he can like get his feet wet and actually be playing games yeah but that's what he's doing for an NHL franchise and he's doing it very excellent
0: yeah yeah so and like and again like yeah he wasn't great in the devils game. But you're playing on a back-to-back, like you, there's going to be a fatigue factor in there for sure, right? Especially with the way he plays, like he's a very active goalie, right? He comes out so far out to challenge shooters, right? And you know, when you're a bit fatigued, you know that's a lot. Of, like it's a lot more movement for a goalie than someone who plays deeper in their net, like a like a Robin Leonard. Um, So that's one thing. And the other thing too is like that, that, that like frustrates me is that. You know, as much as he's shown a lot of maturity in his short time in this league, he is still, you know, a kid compared to the rest of the league, right? He's mm-hmm. still like, what, twenty twenty one? So with players that age, confidence is a huge component. And in a game like yesterday, where it's very clear that he doesn't have his A game, the team doesn't have their A game, the dellas are, you know, scoring left, right and center. Don't like you don't want to leave your goal, like, your young franchise goalie, your future franchise goalie in net for seven goals. You don't want no. to do that, right? No, but because because you know, he, he lets him like four, you say, Hey, like it's not your night, don't worry about it. Hit the showers, right? Take mm-hmm. him out after four or five, right? You even not were his seven, fault. Like, yeah,
1: the, whole, but, the, the team was tired. It's a back to
0: back, like, like every like the best goalies in the world, they have games where they let in four goals, right? Yeah. That's probably not going to flap his confidence too much, but being a net for seven might, and they put themselves in a situation where they were pretty much forced to leave him in net for those, like, for the entire game, because they didn't have a backup on the bench who was able to play. That's the situation they put themselves in.
1: And from a coaching perspective, you are shooting yourself in the foot.
0: Absolutely, like you're quite not quite you, literally. You are very plainly not giving yourself the best chance to win this game. And not only that, but the best chance to win in the future and to build something and to make sure that players are, you know, getting better, not worse. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how doing that helps Spencer Knight now, and I don't get how that helps Spencer Knight in the future. It doesn't. Exactly. And so why do it? Um, And that's not to like, again, like, I know it sounds like we're maybe like making excuses for Spencer Knight. Like, he wasn't good right yeah I mean, but it happens yeah it happens everyone has an off night like do we, do we have like podcast shows that suck yeah almost all of them Wait, yeah. right? <laughs> no i don't listen to season one we really thrive in our solo episodes though oh my goodness you'll know like i don't i'm sure people have noticed too when we do a solo episode i typically don't tweet that there's a new episode out <laughs> notice that it might it, could it be a coincidence absolutely but it's not Um, but yeah overall like I'm not I'm not too concerned about Spencer Knight or the team really Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about just like real quick before we go is how good is like I read an article today from Frank Saravelli I believe titled is Anton Lindell the Calder favorite and I mean as soon as I saw that naturally I was intrigued so I read it and after reading it and after having watched him play this season, I have come to the conclusion that your 2022 Calder Trophy winner not will be but should be Anton Lindell
1: without a doubt. Right. What was this? What was the advanced stat you pulled up for me before we started recording?
0: Yeah, I was pulling up some crazy stuff. Yeah, um, let's just start with uh, let's start with some basic stuff. I think you know, everyone who's watched Anton Lindell play is excited about this player, um, but so he's got six points in nine games so far this year. Right. Which is already excellent. Uh, but you're, you're let put, let's put some context around that, that, that production, right. Cause it's yeah. good, but it's not amazing, but let's dig into it a bit. So number one, he's not playing on the power play. Right. And a lot of good young players that put up points play on the power play, like guys that are tearing it up right now and putting up insane numbers, guys like from the same draft class, like Lucas Raymond, guys like Dawson Mercer, who's had a really good year for New Jersey, and I'm a big fan of him as well, those guys are getting power play minutes. and Tom Lindell's not, right? Mm-hmm. Panthers are too deep. It's not there. But he is on the penalty kill. And he's done an excellent job, I believe, against the Rangers. He put, he killed five minutes. He was out there on the penalty kill? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's wildly it's impressive. And then the other component of it, too, is that this is a player who, um, at the time of this article, and it's outdated now because we I, I rechecked it, he's starting over like almost 70% of his shifts in the D zone. Like those I are just, you said 82, 82 is in the article. Then I, but I figured the article was oh, okay, before okay, the devil's okay. game. So now he's at about 69% nice uh, for his defensive zone starts, which is a lot, especially for a young player. It's, like it's I'm crazy. Looking, I got the chart up here. Like, it's not a lot of young players that are high on this, like that are on the list of, you know, guys getting a lot of D zone starts. It's more, you know, middle-aged or veteran type players like Andre Casha or Greg Pattern or, you know, guys like that, Marco Scandella, guys that have been in the league a while. There aren't many guys that are 20 years old mm-hmm. with that are getting those kind of splits. And it, it matters because, you know, typically with, with a lot of young players, coaches want to shelter them. They want to give them favorable matchups and they want to give them ozone starts. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You And especially because the young players, they make mistakes, right. You want to put them in you know, a good spot to, to put up some points, right. You only start players in the D zone that you trust. That's the reality, Absolutely. It, right. If you're a coach. So the fact that Anton Mandel is playing so much, like is starting his shifts in the D zone so much it says a lot about how much he's trusted by the staff, by his teammates, by everyone. And he's excelling in those two. He's, of Corsi four, which is possession metrics shots for and against above 50%, um, which again is rare for a player who's playing so much in the D zone, rare for a rookie player uh, playing in their first, you know, few games in the league. Uh, he's like quite simply, he's been excellent. Like he's put up, Again, six points in nine games. It's very good. It's not incredible, but it's all at five on five. He's starting a lot of the time in the defensive zone. He is killing penalties in terms of when you take all that, you know, into account, he has, he's had such an unbelievable impact on this team already and a bigger impact than a lot of, you know, rookies are with their team. Now, is he the favorite? Tough to say, because I think more at Siders had an excellent start to his campaign as has Lucas Raymond, mm-hmm. but right now, if you ask me, like is he in the mix? Like right now, like like those are the, those are my top three right now, without a doubt. Yeah, because and I don't think anyone else is close. No, I don't think so either, except for maybe slight bias. Evan Bouchard from the Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> who's been unbelievable this season. Um, but yeah, Anton Lundell, he's heck of a player. And we'll uh, we'll see. If, yeah,
1: if you... I mean the, the yeah the his that's the problem. Though. Defensive contributions are so overshadowed by offensive comp- contributions. Oh, all the time. And like that's that's an uphill battle for a player like him. Yeah, but, like it's the same, in, I guarantee in two you- seasons in two seasons it's going to be ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I guarantee <laughs> you. If you ask almost any hockey family, like, who's the most underrated player in hockey? they're probably going to say some defensive forward if you ask them who the most underrated forward is
1: that's yeah it's always like, been like, like that
0: like who have always yeah people have always been like oh it's barkov it, it's kachuri it's mark stone right it's guys like that that are so good defensively because it's harder to understand defensive value i think is the issue
1: much much right much more i can understand
0: like yeah. it's very easy to understand offensive value it's like oh They're putting up a lot of points. They're putting up points from this area. They're putting them up on the power play. Like it's easy to, it's easy to understand that, but the defensive value of a player can be much more complicated uh, to understand, which is why the defensive contributions um, maybe don't factor as much into awards like the, like the Calder trophy. Right. Um, But they should. And I think they should start our official Anton Lindell for Calder campaign. Maybe make up some posters you know get it get it trending and absolutely uh, you know bring bring some more hardware to to south florida absolutely
1: there's there's always a shortage of that in in uh in sunrise
0: exactly unfortunately yeah. but yeah and hopefully there's a lot more silverware coming coming down south as well for sure but uh we will see some more games coming up this week should be a lot of fun uh but that does it for this one we'll be back on sunday without noah maybe someone else, uh, probably Jacob, uh, for, for a nice Sunday episode, but, uh, thank you to everyone tuning in, listening. Uh, we appreciate it as always. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be back on Monday. So we'll see you then.